The following program is not intended for children under 13, even though 13 is the spookiest of numbers. It contains coarse language, mature content, stories about ghosts, it's kind of spooky, and also I am not responsible for the things that come out of my wife's mouth. Listen at your own risk. Hello and welcome to Spooky Stories. Ooh. I'm your ghost host, Matt McComb, the kooky one. And I'm your spooky host, Kaya. And today, we're going to take a trip to our sister province, Saskatchewan, and talk about the Surrey Valley Mental Hospital that used to exist in Weyburn, Saskatchewan. I'm sorry, a mental hospital? Sorry, not sorry, but our first episode is heading to Saskatchewan. Ugh. Yeah. So, as I was researching this episode, I was getting some, like, one flew over the cuckoo's nest vibes, and as we get into it, I think you'll start to understand why. And I'm using that reference because we just watched that movie, uh, You for the First Time, a couple weeks ago, which was kind of what led me into really wanting to dig into this story specifically a little bit more. I feel like because we've just recently watched it, you're probably going to get a lot of the references um, and hopefully get a little creeped out as we go. So are they going to go on a boat? Is someone going to wear a leather jacket? Get mad about a baseball game? (laughs) I'm not going to tell you, but if you listen, maybe we can find out together. Does it have the guy from Back of the Future in it? No, sorry. Christopher Lloyd does not make an appearance in my story. Oh, man. Great Scott. (laughs) Am I good to get into it now? I suppose. Okay. Can we talk about something less spooky? Uh, no. Like puppies? I love babies. Babies? No. Not spooky babies? I mean, babies are spooky, but... Yeah, babies are very spooky. (laughs) Red rum. Red rum. <laughs> All right, Danny. So, uh, the Surrey Valley Mental Hospital was opened on December 29th in 1921 as the Saskatchewan Hospital. In the beginning, it housed about 607 patients, and this was claimed to be about the max that the hospital was supposed to hold at any given time. Wait, it was just called the Saskatchewan Hospital? It was, and then was later renamed to Surrey Valley Mental Health Hospital when the Saskatchewan Hospital was actually opened. And then I'm guessing it was later named Spooky Hospital. Actually, surprisingly, it changed its name to the Surrey Valley Extended Care Center and was home for elderly patients, but we can get into that as we go. Sounds very spooky. Very spooky. Uh, So it was considered on the cutting edge of experimental treatments for people with mental health issues at the time. And at its peak, it was known to be home to 2,500 mental patients. But it was was only had capacity for 600. Right. And then they times that by three. And then they added some more. I'm an engineer, but the math here is just not adding up. Exactly. So you can probably begin to understand that the conditions in this hospital weren't very ideal by the time that it was deinstitutionalized in 1964. Oof. Yeah. So when it first started housing patients, um, they would go through occupational therapy. So things like doing chores such as farm work, 
working in the kitchen, doing laundry. Um, and that was partnered with things like going for long walks, just spending some time outside, that kind of thing. Long walks on the beach are very therapeutic. I get it. Long walks along the shore of the Saskatchewan River. What could be better, right? <laughs> so in 1954, they started introducing other forms of occupational therapy, such as dancing, card playing, sing-alongs, skating, things like that. Um so mixing it up a little bit. It sounds pretty good. Honestly, long walks on the beach, playing crib, like, I'd be cured of my psychosis. Right? So you think that's all well and good, but then they started introducing other techniques of therapy. Techniques such as hydrotherapy. <gasps> oh, I know that one. That's the one where you go to the mall and they've got that, like, weird massage thing and it's like... Uh, all the water in the bed, and and it gives you a nice massage. So it costs that, like fifty dollars, and afterwards you're just like, "Why did I do this?" So that's, everyone's staring. That's at a me. form of hydrotherapy in today, but back in the 1940s, 1950s, hydrotherapy was a little different. So basically, what they did in hydrotherapy is they would have a tub that was filled with scalding hot water, and a tub that was filled with ice cold water. Were there apples in there? Are you going to tell me how we started the bobbing for apples craze? I wish that we were bobbing for (laughs) apples, but instead we were bobbing patients into each tub one at a time and trying to shock their systems through temperatures. So a patient would be submitted in hot water and then removed and immediately submerged in ice water or vice versa to try and shock their system as a way to maybe, you know, balance out some of those chemical imbalances in their brain. Yeah, I don't think it quite works that way. Most things, when you take them from cold to hot, they start to crack or break. Well, I mean, these patients did eventually start to crack and break, but I don't know if it was just the hydrotherapy alone or maybe a combination of hydrotherapy, the insulin shock therapy, which they also got. and uh, Insulin shock therapy? Yeah. So Is that where they got to eat a whole bunch of cake and then take a whole bunch of insulin and then see how things worked out and balance out? Mm, I wish that was the case because if that was, sign me up. As a diabetic, <laughs> I'd really like to be signed up for that trial, but unfortunately... Unfortunately, insulin shock therapy wasn't as pleasant for the patients at Story Valley. Basically, what they did is they would give patients insulin doses of anywhere from 100 to 450 units of insulin in a day to try and put patients into a coma. Now, as a diabetic, that's not somewhere you want to be. Also, I take on average 60 units a day. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You're telling me, and you know what, I'm not a diabetic, so I, I don't necessarily no, get but everything. You've but you've lived I, with one for yeah. four years. <laughs> I don't know if you need to be a diabetic to know that you don't want to be in a coma. Right? So a coma wasn't the only thing that happened when they were giving these patients the shock therapy. Some of them also experienced things like decreased blood glucose, flushing, pallor, perspiration, salivation, which I know as a diabetic, I get that sometimes. Oh, it's awful. Uh, Drowsiness or restlessness were also symptoms, but one of the worst case scenarios were seizures. Now, if you're given too much insulin and you kind of pass the coma stage, you're likely to end up getting a seizure. Um, And this was actually seen as therapeutic at the time. Oh, yeah. No, convulsing on the floor and spitting up things. That definitely seems seems like a good time. I always feel great after I do it. Sounds like a friggin' party. Where do we sign up? 
Um, but let's let's kind of go past that because those weren't the only forms. They also used electroshock therapy. Now, this has been shown in lots of movies, so everybody kind of has an idea of what electroshock therapy is. But I car battery <laughs> nipples, right? <laughs> right. I mean, fair. You could probably do it that way. But at a mental hospital or any hospital that did electroshock. I mean, it's Friday therapy. night. Are we doing car battery nipples or not? It's Saturday night, but um, anyways, um, so electroshock therapy um, is also known as electroconvulsion therapy, or ECT. It's something that's still done today, but it's a little more um, contained nowadays. They'll actually put patients under anesthesia so you don't feel anything. The electroshocks are pretty minor, um, and, and, you know, like you learn about things similar to that when you're doing first aid, right? Um, but back in the 40s and You learn 50s, about electroshock therapy and doing well, first aid? when someone is in cardiac arrest and you need to, like... Yes, I, I yeah. suppose. Yeah, so that is a, that's a form of ECT, right? So that's a controlled form of electroshock therapy. When I tried to take the car battery to the nipples <laughs> of the dummy when I was doing first aid, I got in trouble. So I, I was just confused. <laughs> well, at least you didn't cut their face off. But nonetheless, um, back in the 40s and 50s, it was a little harsher, let's say. Um, Patients were not put under anesthesia, so you got to experience the whole joy of electroshock therapy. Basically, what they would do is they would take these little tong things, and what I can do is I can post a photo of them to our Instagram to go along with the show, so people can kind of see what I'm talking about. But they were like this set of tongs that they would put over your head on your temples, And then through those metal tongs, you would receive a shock to your brain, which would potentially cause damage. I mean, I can imagine. So so basically what these electric currents would do would cause a brief seizure, which we both know was very therapeutic. Great. Right. We love we love the seizures. Convulsing and spitting up things is very therapeutic. Very much. Um, Um, So basically what those seizures did would um, cause a change to your brain chemistry, um, but it most frequently led to memory loss, broken bones, and permanent brain damage, such as in the end of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest when... uh... Whoa, 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 whoa. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Just because I've seen it doesn't mean everyone else has seen a 1980s movie. Okay, if you have not seen One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, this podcast episode is probably not going to make you want to watch it anymore. But (laughs) moving on from electroshock therapy, another very popular form of therapy that was used on the patients at the mental health hospital in Weyburn, Saskatchewan, was a lobotomy. Yay! Yay! Not so yay. Do you know what a lobotomy is? Um, hammer, nail, head, bed, uh, go to sleep now. Similar, yeah. So a hammer and a modified ice pick that was then inserted through your eye socket beside your eyeball to connect to, um, your face right now is hilarious. Um, so basically what they did is they would use this um, modified ice pick through your eye socket. That's the part that I'm still like, what do you need to modify about the ice pick to get it through the eye hole into the brain? Make it sharper? A uh, little bit skinnier? I'm not sure I didn't dig that far into it. Um, but basically what this does is it severs a connection in the brain's prefrontal lobe. Um, and it was used as a treatment for schizophrenia, manic depression, bipolar disorder. 
disorder and other mental illnesses um, to purposely damage your brain tissue in order to treat these mental See, illnesses. See, and like I just keep thinking about the times that they had their little like celebrations and stuff like you do it in an office and they're in the hospital and they're like, oh, using the... <laughs> ice pick to mess up the ice and get it nice and cold for their drinks and they're like no not that one that's the one that was in frank's skull (laughs) okay fair enough um yeah so that's basically what it was now what you're talking about is the transorbital lobotomy that's the one that most people know what i was talking about was was (laughs) the ice pick right chilling but that that's from the, the type of lobotomy we were discussing was a transorbital. Now, there were a couple other versions of lobotomies that were used prior to the transorbital lobotomy. Some of them included cutting a hole in the skull and injecting ethanol into the brain to destroy fibers that connected the frontal lobe to other parts of the brain. Uh, later, a surgical instrument called a lucitome was introduced, which contained a loop of wire that, when rotated into that hole that was cut in your skull um they'd basically turn it around kind of like if you're using a melon so we're baller g- we're basically. gonna cut a hole <laughs> on the top of your head and we're gonna take a wire and then put it in are, are we playing operation basically we're trying not to I mean, trying to we, pick up the bad parts of your brain and keep the good ones that's in. actually exactly what they would do so they would use this loop of wire that when inserted don't touch the sides through the hole in your skull um created a circular lesion in the brain which helped separate those fibers from the frontal lobe that people associated with mental illness helps right It helps. So results of lobotomies usually resulted in negative effects on patients, surprise, surprise, um, including altering their personality and their inhibitions, appeared to have a lack of empathy, and their ability to function on their own was, like, just gone. You know what I think the problem was? What's that? With the battery, you've got the negative and the positive, (laughs) and they must have hooked up the negative end by mistake, and that's why they had negative effects. They should have hooked up positive. For positive effects. I'm an engineer, people. Good job. All right. So now that we... Thank you. Thank you for your patronizing. Now that we've discussed those therapies, let's get into the main therapy that was used in this hospital in particular. It's quite interesting. It has a very interesting story. It led to a lot of interesting experiments done in other places. More interesting than modified ice picks. That some people could accidentally use. More interesting than batteries to nipples. I mean, it depends on your definition. More of- interesting than long walks on the beach and playing crib? I mean... I am interested. It depends on your definition I'm of interested. interesting. But by 1954, the end of 1954, um, they were the most common hospital for doing experiments using lysergic acid diethylamide. Do you know what that is? I Oh, LSD, baby! LSD, baby! Um, so they were the most well-known hospital for LSD experiments. They were actually the first one to start it. So Dr. Humphrey Osmond, a Canadian psychologist, he was crucial in the implementation of all the therapies at the Surrey Valley Mental Hospital. He started doing LSD experiments on... Himself. Volunteer staff... <laughs> And then eventually on the patients. Um, Now, most of the patients that were institutionalized here were coping with chronic alcoholism. Mm. So, we're going to mix LSD with alcoholism 
and find out what happens. Well, according to their studies, they concluded that LSD experiments had about a 50% chance of helping alcoholics overcome chronic alcoholism. And a 100% chance of being really, really fun. Maybe (laughs) if you weren't locked up in a mental hospital. Truth. True. So... Historian Erica Dick from the University of Saskatchewan has been known to argue that these experiments in the 1950s and 60s were crucial to the reconstruction of alcoholism as a disease as LSD provided a potential quick cure. Now, let's discuss that briefly. A quick cure. Hmm. So, when you hear quick cure, do you assume that it means that the person's cured permanently? Or is it just a temporary cure? Sounds like some snake oil to me. Right? I agree. But these experiments are actually what led to the word psychedelic being created. Bro. So psychedelic, the word itself, originated at the Surrey Valley Mental Hospital in Weyburn, Saskatchewan, Canada. Something that we associate with, like, good times and partying and psychedelic, man, originated in buttfuck nowhere, Saskatchewan. Yeah. Excuse me, readers. (laughs) I mean, we put a PG-13 rating on here. (laughs) So... Usually it's, we can't contain what comes out of my mouth, but this time it's yours. But yeah, so the middle of buttfuck nowhere. BFN Saskatchewan. Canada coined the term psychedelic. Damn. Interesting, right? Mm-hmm. But not as interesting as the fact that these experiments that were being done in BFN Saskatchewan piqued the interest. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Piqued the interest of the CIA. Ooh. Who hoped to use LSD as a truth serum and this eventually led to the MK Ultra program. Damn, girl, you're getting some conspiracy government shit. Right? Now, when does the spooks happen? They're coming. They're coming, I promise. Um so for anyone who doesn't know just quickly, the MK Ultra program was where the CIA attempted mind control and chemical interrogation through the use of LSD. It was also a very bad movie featuring Jesse Eisenberg and Kristen 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 Stewart. I don't think I saw that one. Oh, okay. It's, it's weird. They were ultra and they did things, but they were also bad actors. Thing. Oh, doesn't sound like something I'm interested in. <laughs> what I am interested in, though, is how many patients actually experienced so many negative side effects that they died in this hospital. Dun, dun, dun. So, now is where we get into the spooky. You're not supposed to tell people. Now you pre-spooked them. Right? Hopefully I can live up to the pre-spook. But, um, basically, there's a few different theories, stories, whatever you want to call them, behind this hospital. So, we're going to backtrack a bit. So, we have patients dying from electroshock therapy, patients dying from lobotomies, Patients probably dying from the hydrotherapy because a shock to your system like that can cause some serious effed up issues. And then we also have patients dying from these crazy ass LSD experiments. Did any patients die from the long walks on the beach and playing crib? I mean, maybe some of these patients were kind of cray cray and they could have like attacked each other and maybe like murdered them. I don't know. There there wasn't anything. But there was um, a shack that was located... By the river, not far from the hospital. Uh, just this small, I, I'll post a photo on our Instagram. 
just this small shack built of cement and it had it probably stood about five feet wide seven feet long seven feet high and in the center of it it housed just a slab of cement so it was like a bed made out of cement basically side note dear audience we think that the way that people were treated is very funny but mental health is not funny if you have mental health problems please seek help yeah, and we'll put some links in our on in the show notes on our website if you need some of those resources as well. Um, so anyways, this shack uh, was most likely used for solitary confinement. Oh, we know that works out really well. That's always always a good time, right? Always a good time. Um, so in the photo, when you're looking at it, and you can Google these if you want. Like I said, I'll post them. But I'm, I don't want to. But for any of our listeners, if you want to Google this, um, it's... The shack was actually called the Hangman Shack. That was oh, the nickname right. it was given. I need to Google this now. <laughs> so, basically, this tiny-ass shack. Um, this is going to mess with my Google algorithms, Probably. That was made of cement um, that was used, likely used for solitary confinement. Um, had this conveniently p- placed thick beam in the ceiling about seven feet high over this slab of cement. Why is there brick at the bottom? Is this it? That's the top. So that's the roof. You oh. can see the beam. So in that photo, you see the beam. Yeah. Um, so it's said that many, many patients committed suicide here due to the convenience of that beam and having, you know, a few bed sheets for their cement block while they were in solitary confinement. Um, and that's likely how this building got its nickname, the Hangman's Shack. You think after the first person did that, they would just be like, oh, maybe we need a different shack. Maybe we should use a different beam. I One mean, less hangable. You would think so, but apparently they didn't think that. So, 1964 rolls around. Patients have started to be um, sent to other facilities um, by 1961, any of the patients that had been living still uh, had been moved to other locations, and parts of the hospital were repurposed as an extended care facility, um, which many then called the haunted extended care facility because of all the ghosts that were remaining from all these ex- dead patients from the experiments and hanging themselves, and it's basically just a creepy-ass place to be. Let's back up a second. So. Okay. You've got yourself a hangman shack that you store your patients in, and they keep killing themselves. So you say, uh, maybe we'll just use it for old people, because they don't give a shit. Right? I mean, their logic doesn't make sense to me either, but we're just going to roll with it, because that's what happened, and uh, it all adds to my story. Um, so 1971, it's been converted to an extended care facility. At this time, many of the floors were closed down. And those who were working on the projects to close down the floors had a lot of strange tales to tell. Uh, They talked about muffled conversations and empty stairwells that you could hear throughout. They heard. (laughs) She's such a bitch. (laughs) They would hear footsteps along empty corridors, uh, visions of a woman standing at a darkened window in empty parts of the hospital were seen. Trinkets would appear and disappear on their own. So there was one story where, like, a nurse 
saw this like ring in the middle of the room and went to move it or find out whose it was. And by the time she got to it, it had disappeared. Uh, yeah, because it's a ring and old people are kleptos. <laughs> right, but this is an empty part of the hospital. So, not sure. Oh, uh, sorry. No, she probably took it for herself. She's like, oh, I was trying to find out where this old 1920s 24 karat gold ring belongs to, but oh, it just disappeared. It must have been a ghost. Ooh, <laughs> spooky. Um, so that happened. Um, employees also reported feelings of people rushing along empty halls, voices calling out to them when no one was there, and a constant feeling of being watched or never being alone. Now, I don't know if you've ever felt that anywhere, but I can tell you that that feeling of never being alone when I was researching this at home by myself I felt that the whole time was that before or after I scared you with that (laughs) dog toy this was before but I will never live that down so not a good feeling not something that you want to experience Uh, some of the other stories include you know hearing strange sounds in the rooms and throughout the buildings like banging things being thrown in parts of the hospital that are completely empty they talk about there's a story about a woman who was also seen pacing the hallways of the fourth floor at night the fourth floor was the main psych ward probably the same woman that was seen in the windows why are all these rooms empty well, because and they, why are people walking around here trying to find ghosts? So the rooms were empty because they had already started closing down parts of the hospital. Um, so the hospital itself was closed, I think, in like the late 80s, uh, demolished in 2009. So it's not standing anymore. We can't go like check it out, which is really sad because I was like, ooh, let's take a day trip Yeah, no, to that's Labor. really sad. I'm um, very sad about but that. But this one's gone. Although free ghost trinkets sounds pretty cool. Right? Like, you're just walking along the hallway and you're like, oh, there's a bag of coins. I'm rich. I don't know. Like, And then, oh, man, some ghost stole my coins. Like, damn it. Anyways, I thought it'd be cool. I know you wouldn't really like it, but, like, I was going to drag you along anyways. Not part of this podcast. <laughs> I mean, we never really defined what was and wasn't. So. What's spooky about this is that we're recording spooky stories. Not that we're going to visit said spooky Spooky stories to spook man out. Okay, so if any of our listeners want to go on some pretty rad road trips with me, just let me know. And if you want to check out any of these places that are still existing, let me know and we can maybe make something happen because sounds like my ghost co-host isn't willing to go with me. Um, So back to like our hauntings. So... I'm good. I always feel never alone. I got lots of friends. (laughs) I don't need no ghosts trying to keep me company. Like, hey, hey, you up? Do you want to watch TV? So before the building was demolished in 2009, anyone who saw it or walked by it, went near it, took photos of it, basically anybody who was in the vicinity of this building, uh, described being overwhelmed by feelings of sadness, anxiety, anger, and fear, uh, which is, you know, understandable because if you know the history of this place, like, it's pretty sad. It's also pretty terrifying. I don't think I'd want to be subject to any of those kind of experiments that went on in there. Except for the long walks on the beach. Except for that one. Um, And, like, old people scare the shit out of me. Sorry, Grandma. (laughs) I love you, but, like, old people weird me out. (laughs) 
<laughs> Side note, we love you all old people in our life. <laughs> anyways. Just not Kaya. She apparently doesn't love you. Anyways, so before it was demolished, a lot of different paranormal investigators went in there. You probably don't believe in them, but I think paranormal investigators are cool. If I had to do a career change, I'm actually considering that because I think it'd be fun to just Oh, great. Chase ghosts all no, the time. That's, that's great. No, I should um, have known by all the skulls that you display in our house year long <laughs> and the fact that you want to change one of our bathrooms into a Halloween bathroom. Anyways, so um, there were a bunch of groups of paranormal explorers that would go and check out this building. But one group that went in, um, they sensed a very dark and evil presence in the building. Oh, did they sense it by, by having their little thing that goes boop, boop, boop? Boop, 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 boop. Their boop thing? No. It was just, like, an actual, like, physical feeling. Oh. Yeah. Not sure if you A ever... physical boop. <laughs> physical boop. Yeah, exactly. Um, And that led them to believe that the hospital was actually the most frightening task that they had ever carried out. Um, and they didn't even finish their experiments or whatever they were slackers. doing in there. Right, slackers, but also, like, get the fuck out because... There's evil in here, and we don't want to fuck with it. Sorry. I know. Language. I can't help it. Anyways, so let's recap. Surrey Valley Mental Health Hospital, when it opened, was super happy with occupational therapy like Chores Crib and taking long walks along the riverbank. Um, in 1954, Dr. Humphrey Osmond, crazy psycho man that he was, began the horrific therapies at the, at the hospital, which included things such as insulin shock therapy, hydrotherapy, lobotomy, electroshock, and best of all, LSD experiments. Um, and then it was deinstitutionalized in 1964, and 1971 was converted to an extended care facility facility shut down in the 80s and was demolished in 2009. Do we have any questions? Um, yeah. Why don't we not go there? Be, well, we can't go there. Oh, good. That's good. it doesn't exist anymore. No, let's not go there. So my question for you is, do you think that this hospital was actually haunted? Or do you think that people just thought it was because a lot of crazy shit went down? I think that people believe in the hype, and I'm going to be scared whether I am in a dark room with a flashlight and a boop-boop-boop meter, (laughs) whether it's at my own house or at a house under construction or a creepy hospital where people did hydrotherapy, mixed up ice picks, and gave lobotomies, nipples to batteries, all that good stuff. And so I do not believe this story. Also, I didn't hear, like, any specific ghost. It wasn't like, hey, like, this lady in black was believed to be the one who used to love to play a crib but always cheated. So, unfortunately, with this story, there is nothing specific to any ghosts. I agree. Um, It's just the building itself was very creepy, and there were a lot of different spirits that were believed to have been left behind. If you had to give this story a spook rating out of 10 how spooky would you say this story was i would give it three jack nicholson's in leather jackets out of 10 awesome well that's all i have so we want to take the time to thank you all for listening thank you so much and stay spooky stay spooky Ooh. Ooh.